Hey guys, I hope you're all doing well out there. I just wanted to give you a couple notes for today's show. Uh, first off, it is World Suicide Prevention Day today, and there is a trigger warning on this episode for suicide, so if that's something that you guys have a hard time with, please be sure to take a break while you listen if you need to and come back to it, um, or just wait until you're in a good headspace to listen. Um, I had a great episode with James, and he is heading up a company called Stand Strong, and their whole mission is to help prevent teenagers and family members from having to go through the difficulty of dealing with suicide of a family member. And so James has been kind enough to offer you guys a 20% discount on the merchandise at Stand Strong if you decide to support their mission by the end of the episode today. With promo code DARKBLUE, all caps, DARKBLUE, you guys can save 20% on any Stand Strong merchandise. You'll be helping promote Stan Strong's mission by making yourself a beacon of hope to anyone who may need it, to lend a helping hand to anyone you see struggling, to be the light in the dark for anyone who has lost their way. You may just be the sign in someone's life that keeps them hanging on. Let Stan Strong be a reminder to you and everyone around you to remain strong through any of life's toughest challenges. I want to thank you again for joining us, guys. And remember, it's okay to not be okay. He took his own life on a Sunday. I was in school the next day, that Monday. And I, I will never forget it, man. It was like a movie. It's hard for me to share my story, but I know that it's important because I want people to understand the severity of how, how anybody around you, anybody who's ever knew you, your mm -hmm. coworkers, your friends, your family, people you went to high school with, it'll, it'll, they don't recover from this stuff. What's up, guys? This is Zach, and you have just stepped into the dark blue. Uh, my guest today is a, a new friend I just made on Instagram. I'm actually pretty pretty thrilled that uh, we got to get together so quickly. Uh, this is James with the Stand Strong clothing brand. And, uh, you know, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month came up here on September 1st, and I came across his, his clothing brand and uh, a video uh, that he did. Uh, talking about his story and I just thought it would be a really killer story for you guys to hear uh, super important really impacting for me uh, to hear him say what he had to say in his video and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing a little bit more about it today and um, yeah it should be good stuff guys so how you doing today James I'm good man I'm happy to be here uh, it's my first podcast so I'm a little bit nervous but <laughs> uh, happy at the same time you know awesome yeah well, uh, I'll tell you what. Let's get into these beers and uh, and uh, sh shake the nervousness off a little bit, little bit, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. What you got? What do you got? What are you drinking today? I am drinking Great Lakes Brewing Co. Right, brewed right here in Cleveland, Ohio. Awesome. Got a uh, Dortmunder Gold Lager. Okay, that sounds good. I like it? Yeah, it's not too bad. Sounds I, refreshing. Not, yeah, I'm usually not a not a small brewery kind of guy, but I I can actually deal with this. This is good stuff. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, a lot of these smaller breweries do make some pretty uh pretty tasty, easy drinking beers. So yeah, yeah. Uh, especially during the summertime. Actually, my first time drinking Great Lakes. Okay. I'm pleasantly surprised. Shout out Great Lakes Brewing Co. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. Um, so what is it? What's it remind you of? What's the flavor? kind of make you think of I don't know it's you know it's got a well it says here a classic award-winning balance of sweet malt and dry hop flavors okay yeah nice okay bad. sounds yeah it definitely sounds uh sounds refreshing and crisp yeah it's definitely a little bit on the sweeter side but okay Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not a, I don't, I don't like a lot of malt in my beer. Um, and I've got a, I've got a session, uh, Saison actually, sorry. I've got a Saison from Stillwater Brewing today called Love and Regret 2020. Okay. <laughs> Seems fitting for the time. Yeah, uh, I, like your, I 
like their design. Yeah. Um, this is actually a buddy of mine in Seattle who owns a bar restaurant. Um, one of the uh, distributors that he works with gave him this to try. And he was like, you know what? I want you to try it on your podcast. So, <laughs> so man, I, uh, Seattle is the, the hub of microbreweries, man. I lived out there oh. for four years while I was in the Navy and they're everywhere. There is so much beer out there. Yeah. Try them all if you live there for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. Definitely too many to count. That's for sure. Yeah. You're in coffee, man. That's, that's the thing out in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Be, uh, coffee in the morning, beer in the evening. <laughs> Whew. This is, uh, do you see how thick this is? <laughs> yeah. It's very, uh, very opaque. Um, it's good. It's pretty sweet though, too. Kind of like yours. And yeah. it's got a lot of like citrusy flavor, a lot of orange juice. It's almost like drinking fresh squeezed orange juice without the pulp. Yeah. Know? That's kind of what it reminds me of. Okay. So. I need, I almost need, uh, like bacon and eggs with this. Oh, bacon and eggs go good with beer, man. That's for damn sure. <laughs> totally. I love those brunch spots that do a good beer and a nice plate of pancakes and <laughs> yep. so, well, cool, man. Um, are you ready to get into this? Yeah, let's do it, man. Ready to tell us who you are? <sighs> Kinda. Like I said, I'm a little bit nervous, guys, so <laughs> bear with me here. I've never been on a podcast before, but uh yeah, yeah, you're all good, man. You know, I'm just I'm just a regular dude and so are you and so are all the other guys listening. So awesome. um yeah. Uh just just think of me like your buddy at the bar. <laughs> We're just hanging out right. talking. So um right. but yeah, so uh go ahead and I mean tell me a little bit about where you come from, man. <laughs> yeah so i'm uh i'm originally from ohio i i was here until i was about 20 years old and the first time i left was when i joined the navy um i went out and stayed out in chicago for a little bit and then i went to um pensacola florida and then i ended up getting stationed in whidbey island washington about two hours northwest of seattle okay out there man i i left my heart out in the pacific northwest it's beautiful out there yep i did the yeah, same I, ever since i've been back in ohio i've just been missing mountains that that's really it i don't have i don't have oceans anymore i don't have mountains and that really bums me out to be honest with you <laughs> yeah i hear you um it's you know i actually just recently came back to central texas um and it's it's hot and flat uh compared to seattle and so it's it's definitely hard to get used to the environment again because it's everywhere you look in Seattle that there's beautiful green right. mountains and yep. or or you know water or something uh, yep. within within your eyesight. So yeah, it's a whole whole different world out there, man. When I when I moved out there, I actually I got lucky. I I picked orders to Whidbey Island and I got them. Like usually that doesn't happen, you know. Nice. You don't first pick in the military, you know. It's just you're going wherever the Navy wants you to go. <laughs> yep. And, uh, I, I guess a lot of people didn't want to go there because everybody's got that, uh, you know, that stereotype that Seattle's just rainy all the time. And I'm like, you know, I don't mind that. I want to see mountains. I want to see giant trees. And I, I got it. I got really lucky. Yep. I had a blast out there too, man. I was, uh, I just moved back to Ohio in 2017. Okay. Uh, and it's been, uh, it's been different. That's for sure. I'm used to traveling. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard once you get out there, you kind of itch for that adventure oh yeah yeah I, I uh I, I deployed while i was in the navy i did a 10-month cruise on an aircraft carrier and you know i got to go all over the world i've been to dubai like five times i've been to Singapore, nice. Abu Dhabi, bahrain australia hawaii it was it was a trip man that's for sure i, I miss so it cool. at the same time uh you know i've actually thought about re-enlisting but i will not shave my beard that's <laughs> it's a out. great beard too man you like you got it going there yeah, I got uh, got the COVID beer going on, you know. <laughs> I actually, uh, I'm growing out the hair, too. This is the first time I've ever grown my hair out, but. Nice. Yeah, friends don't <laughs> let friends shave. You got, like, a young Cheech Marin thing going on there. I like yeah, it. Yeah, man. <laughs> you, know, it's, uh, I, you know, my whole life, I would I would get irritated sometimes. i get too hot or whatever, and i just shave my head. And yep. the first time, I'm like, you know what? Let me teach myself something about patience here and just let this all go for a while. You know, you can't go, I can't go get my beard lined up either. Right. You know, in Ohio, 
we have a mask mandate. We're not allowed to take our masks off anywhere in public. So they won't even, they won't even trim your beard in public. Do Man, I got online and I ordered myself a nice beard trimmer. And, uh, you know, I do it all myself now. And actually, I yeah. like it more that way because I don't get mad about them getting the neckline crooked, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is the first time I've ever just let everything go. I, uh, well, I, I actually trimmed it back in like mm, December. I was lighting a propane heater and it flared up and caught off. <laughs> so, you, so you accidentally trimmed it? <laughs> yep, yep. So I was like, well, I guess I got to even this out now. And ever since then. <laughs> I just been letting everything grow. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Man. So, so you now are out of the Navy. Did you get out of the Navy when you moved back or did, were you still in for a couple of years before you, or after you came back to Ohio? So I, uh, I, I was up near Seattle the entire time I was in, aside from when I deployed and everything. And, uh, I got out in April of 2017 and I, I moved home, um, kind of kicking myself in the ass for that. I had some, I had some good opportunities in Seattle, but you know, I figured it was time to get back to my roots. Mm-hmm. You know, I originally left, um, cause I, I just, I needed to get away. I needed to go find myself. You know, that was, that was really what it came down to is I, I never really left Ohio. I didn't go on vacations growing up, nothing. My first time mm-hmm. I ever got on a plane was when I left for boot camp, and. Uh, you know, I was out there completely on my own, just trying to find my way through the world. And, you know, I, I think that was a really good learning experience for me. I, I really think it was one of the best things I ever did for myself. Yeah, you know, I, I think, man, there's so much value in that. I think, I think every person needs to have that opportunity to get out and have their own experiences so they can figure out what they want and don't want in their life. Oh, absolutely. yeah, it was, uh, it was a different experience for me. You know, I didn't really have, you know, I'm not from a really nice area. Um, and you know, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity here. I knew I wanted to do more with my, with myself. I just didn't know how to do that. Mm. I didn't know where to start. And I figured, you know, the military would buy me some time. It would give me some good experience. So I, I went and enlisted in 2013. Um, and I shipped out, I think April 1st, of okay. 2015 and uh went off to boot camp and you know it was it, it was the greatest decision i think i ever made yeah because that's great you know four years of experience i i was actually an aircraft mechanic um Ooh. four My years dad's actually an aircraft mechanic um oh, he shit. in the air force he was an aircraft mechanic and he would train the new the new mechanics oh that's awesome man yeah yeah it's a great job. I mean, I really liked it. It was, uh, it, it was good for me. I'm very meticulous. You know, I, I have a lot of attention to detail. So that was, uh, it, it was like the perfect fit for me, honestly. I actually went to the, the Cleveland Air Show in 2012. And that was the first time I'd ever seen like a fighter jet in person. I went and I saw the Blue Angels fly over in Cleveland and I was like, nice. man, amazing. Yep. Yeah, it's so cool. Walking through and they have all these jets parked and I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, I want to work on these fucking things. Yeah. Never, never seen one before, but I was like, these things are amazing. So <laughs> I actually, I went to the recruiter's office and I was like, this is what I want to do. I was like, I'm not settling for less. I want to work on planes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right, man, we'll see what we can do. You know, I, I did a lot of research before I joined. I made sure that I didn't go in there and, you know, get played and get stuck in some, some shitty position. I wanted to go in and get something that, you know, if I decided to get out, I would have real experience. Right. You know I mean? And I wanted to be able to, you know, transition back into the civilian world if I needed to. And, uh, you know, have a set of skills that would help me in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, little did I know that I would go in a completely separate direction. And I haven't touched a plane since I've been out. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the, the, the military was a huge turning point for me. You know, yeah. I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't the greatest kid growing up. That's for damn sure. I, <laughs> I was actually a rather, rather shitty person. Bit of a rebel. Yeah, a l- little bit. <laughs> um, and when I joined the military, it, it kind of made me realize my potential. I, oh, I got cool. in there and I, I was, I was a kick-ass aircraft mechanic. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, man, if I could learn how to fix a $30 million jet, I can figure <laughs> out anything, yeah. you know? And I was like, you know, ever since then, it, it kind of, you know, gave me a little bit more confidence, made me believe in myself to a point where, 
you know, I, I knew that I could do more. Yeah, yeah. I got out, you know, it, it was really a lot of soul searching. You know, when I when I first got out, it was I went through a, a heavy depression when I first got out. Mm, um, just because the, you weren't used to the the new surroundings, like new, or it, you weren't in your you weren't in your familiar familiar surroundings. Right. It, it was kind of, you know, the way I like to explain it is growing up, I was always surrounded by people. I had a big group of friends. Mm. You know, I was always doing something. I was always out of the house. I was always going somewhere. And then when you join the military, it's like, you know, you, you get into the shop and you make friends with everybody that you work with. You know, you got friends from all over the country that, you know, you're all around the same age, give or take. And, uh, you know, you're all just kind of going through the shit together. So you bond with these people. Yep. And, uh, you know, you work together, you have the same schedule. So you get off, you know, everybody, you know, you work the same hours. So when you get off, you just go drinking with your buddies. Yeah, it's like a family at that point. Right. You know, and when I left Ohio, I, I feel like I kind of just left everybody behind. Mm. You know, I, I wanted to, in a sense, I, I wanted to get away from everything that I knew. You know, it wasn't until I left that I realized what a toxic environment I came from. You know, where I'm from, a lot of people think the same way. A lot of people are still doing the same things. A lot of people are still yep. hanging out with the same, same people. And when I joined the military, I was like, you know, this is a whole new world. I've never experienced anything like this. So I went out, I made a bunch of new friends. And then when I got out, you know, I came, I came back home, actually. I was going to stay in Seattle. And uh, my mom and my sister actually kind of convinced me to come home. They were like, you know, we, we miss you. We want to see you. You know, it'd be good to have you back in our lives. So I came back here and, uh, you know, I never really reconnected with anybody. I, yeah. I tried to a little bit, but at the same time, I think when I got out, I just had so much anxiety about it because I didn't want to fall back into the same habits. And that was, that was difficult for me. You know, it was a really lonely time and, you know, it, it was a double-edged sword though, you know, because it was really lonely. Mm -hmm same time it gave me a lot of time to work on myself it gave me a lot of time to find myself and what I really wanted to do um you That's know I cool. saved up a little bit of money when I got out and I, when I got out I came right back and stayed at my mom's house for a little while um and I mean that was that was a challenge oh you know? yeah yeah it's you know, it's really tough to do that once you've been independent for a while and like exactly. coming back and trying to get back into the swing of being with the parents is uh Yep. <laughs> Interesting. But while I was in, um, my my mom got remarried, and I I knew my. Hold my on, can I see that? Can I see that beer label? I don't didn't yeah. want to cut you off, but that's that's really nice. That's some good artwork on that. Yeah, that's uh. So cool. Got a little metal on here. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my, that's one of the things I love about like the craft beers that they bring in um, artists to design their labels and stuff, and they do some yeah. really cool stuff. Yeah, that is neat. Yeah, they got a pretty cool little. Uh, I grabbed a little six pack here. They got it all printed all oh, over. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's perfect. It's cool. Yeah, this one's got some dandelion in it. I was like, I was reading the label and it says it's got dandelion and what else? Like some flowers in it because it's like a farmhouse ale kind of thing. And so it's, um, anyway, I was, I, I didn't know what to expect with the, uh, the dandelions in it, but it's not too bad. So. Not too bad, huh? <laughs> um anyway so as you were saying yeah i uh my mom got remarried while i was in the military and uh you know that was that was a, a challenge for me to learn to live with my stepdad um you know i i've known him for years he's a great guy um it, he's you know he, he really stepped into a strange position but he did a really good job yeah for, for the people that don't know you know the reason i started doing what I'm doing is, uh, when I was 18 years old in 2011, my father killed himself. Um, I, it, it was in February and I actually, I, I found him about two hours after it happened. Mm. Um, so it, it was, it was a really strange time, a really strange transition to have somebody new come around. Yeah. You know, I was 18 years old. I was raised by this guy for 18 years. Right. And then I got somebody new in my life. And, you know, he never tried, you know, he never tried to do that. Uh, you oh, know, your father like, now kind of, he was, he was there to give guidance and I, I got a lot oh. of respect for him. Um, but it, it was definitely a challenge to learn to live together, you know? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That was, that was sure. different. 
But, uh, you know, me and him are on real good terms. He's a great guy. I got a lot of respect for him. Shout out to my stepdad, Pat. That's good. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's taught me a lot. Never overstepped his boundaries. He's a good mm. guy. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's good to, I mean, at least, at least you had somebody positive come into your life after a situation like that, like a positive male figure, you know, um, that's helped you to continue to grow, um, after, after I can't imagine, um, having to work through something like that to begin with. Um, and then, you know, trying to navigate life afterward, uh, man, it's just awesome that you had somebody who was able to come in and still be there for you, you know? Yeah, he, he's he's definitely helped out a lot. It was a, it was definitely a major challenge, um, a bit of a learning curve, you know, trying to adapt to somebody new in my life like that. But mm-hmm. you know, I I think uh, I, I don't think I could have ended up with a better stepdad. I will say that he he's a good man. I got a lot of respect for him. But uh, I hope he I hope he listens to this. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll make him. Uh, I'm gonna go there and be like, hey man, you gotta check this stuff out nice shout out on the show right um Um, well yeah so so that's a pretty big thing and you say that that's a lot of what led you to do what you're doing now um can you tell everyone a little bit more about what you're doing now um (laughs) with the the clothing brand and all that yeah so uh i i started you know i'm at this this weird point i i i know stand strong is a clothing brand but it's not just a clothing brand there we go so I started, so I started Stand Strong originally in 2012. It, it okay. started off as just a Facebook page. Actually, all right, I got to get into a little bit of the backstory here. This Do is it. kind of a yep. That's what we're here for. All right, so in 2011, my 18th birthday, I wanted to go get new tattoos. I wanted to go get my first legal tattoos. Um, I knew that I wanted to get something down the back of my legs. I didn't know what I wanted to get. Mm. So. Shit, I got to dig a little bit further back than that. <laughs> my junior year of high school, I got expelled for quote-unquote repeated offenses. Oh, wow. Um, okay. All right. I fought a lot. I got into a lot of confrontations with teachers. Um, I was not a good kid. Mm. All right. So they sent me to uh, a school for troubled kids that I went to for a year, my junior year. And I I remember my first day in that place, I walked in and I, I, you go in, you got to empty your pockets, you got to get padded down, you go through a metal detector, they they search everything, you take off your backpack. I mean, it it was a bad place. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, you know, not long before I got there, a kid got stabbed in the bathroom and I I got in there and I was like, what the hell did I get myself into? Right. I I couldn't believe it. I mean, I I knew I didn't, I wasn't going anywhere good. Yeah. You know, so at that point, I realized that I needed to make a change in my life. I didn't know how I was going to do it or what I was going to do, but I needed to make a change. Um, so you're actually getting some exclusive information here. Uh, <laughs> so this is where the name Stand Strong came from. Awesome. So, you heard it, guys, right here on Into the Dark Blue. Exclusive info from... <laughs> Dark Blue. Uh, so I, I, my senior year comes around and I knew I was eligible to go back to the school, but they were not going to have me back. Mm. I remember my mom took me back to the school and I begged my principal. I mean, I, I really had to beg this guy and he had a cop in the office with us while we were having this discussion. Wow. And what did you do, man? <laughs> I, I just, I was a hellraiser, man, you know? And I didn't, I never wanted to be that way. You know, I, looking back on it, I think what was really going on was I was just a lonely kid who didn't know how to deal with his emotions. Mm. Honestly, like, you know, I think a lot of men are raised this way. And I know I was raised this way with, you know, anytime, uh, anytime something's going on in your head, it's, you know, suck it up, pussy. You got to get over this shit, you know? Mm, yep. And, uh, you know, after a while, you know, I tried going to therapy. I tried medication when I was a kid. Medication made things worse for me. Yeah, same here. That's actually part of, you know, when I talk about Stand Strong, I have a design called Kill the Stigma. It's not just the stigma surrounding mental health and like, you know, that you can't talk about it. One of the stigmas that drives me the crazy the most is that, you you know, oh, well, you got a mental illness. You need therapy or you need medication. Take a pill. It'll be fine. Yeah. 
that drives me crazy. I want to say this real quick. Fuck big pharma. All right. I got a major problem with pharmaceuticals and I, I will explain that a little bit later. Um, Looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I tried, I tried a lot of different things and nothing ever seemed to fit right for me. Yeah. Uh, so after a while I just started to bottle things up, you know, and, and mm -hmm. I know that that's the worst thing that I could do. Um, but well, you feel like you don't have any other option at a certain right. point, you know, because it's like, we're not given the tools to know where to go exactly. and who to talk to and all that. So, yeah. You know, as, as far as medication, medication really messed with my head. Anytime I tried it, it really messed mm -hmm. things up for me. Dude, um, I took Adderall for a while, uh, because of eight for, for ADD and it messed my body up so much. Like oh, yeah. I couldn't eat. My jaw was clenched all the time. It was like, and I felt better in my head most of the time, but like I was barely sleeping. I was not eating well. I was just stressed out. Like my muscles were all tense all the time. And yeah, uh, yeah I was like, nope, I gotta, I gotta find some lifestyle changes that are gonna, that are gonna help this problem because this is not doing it. Right. You know, it, well, and that's, you know, all right. So back to the pharmaceutical thing, that was a big <laughs> problem for me growing up. Um, you know, I, growing up, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad. I, I was, uh, you know, I was very sporty growing up. My dad always told me, you know, if I had your size, I would be playing for the for major leagues, you know, this and that. He, he was a skinny kid growing up. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was real stocky and he's, he was always telling me, you know, if I had your size, if I had this, if I had that, <laughs> I'm like, man, this is, this isn't what I want to do. You know, yeah. this this isn't the direction that I want to go. Yeah. I enjoy playing sports, but you can't shove your dreams down my throat. Right. Right. You know? So when I got to high school is when I started to push back and mm. he didn't like that. You know, we had a very rough relationship growing up. I'd say out of my four years of high school, I probably lived at home for maybe a year of it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I was, I was always kicked out or I ran away or, you know, I was, I was hopping from couch to couch at my friend's houses um, mm. you know, that, that, that had a major effect on my mental health because I, d I didn't know how to, how to deal with it. So it all just became anger for me. Mm -hmm. Those, those emotions were just boiling over and I never knew how to deal with them. And I just became really angry. I became really mean, really confrontational. Yeah. Um, and when I was probably a sophomore in high school is when I discovered pills. That was what numbed it for me. You know, I would, I would take anything I could just to stop myself from going crazy in my own head. Um, you know, that, that had a, a terrible effect on me. You know, it just made things worse because when I wasn't high, I was just even more mad. Yeah. So, you know, cut to junior year, I get expelled from all these problems. Then we cut to senior year. I try to get back in. Principal didn't want me to come back. Mm -hmm. That cop that was in the room actually is the one who saved my ass here because I was begging him. I was trying to convince him. I said, y you need to believe me. I'm trying to get my shit together. Please just give me another chance. I went into my senior year with nine and a half credits and I needed 21 to graduate. Whoa. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get that if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. right, so my principal was like, no way that's impossible. You're going to be stuck here for at least another two years. I was like, listen, man, I will go to the ends of the earth to make sure I graduate on time. I just need you to give me another chance. And I think what really lit that fire inside of me, I will never forget this. When I went to, when I went to that, I'm not going to say the name, but the school for troubled kids. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember the look on my dad's face when he found out that I got expelled. Mm. Um, you know, my family had a, had a good reputation in the area that I'm from. Mm -hmm. And I remember he looked me dead in the eyes and he told me, you are single-handedly ruining our family name. Whoa. And that. That's that a huge fucking burden, man. Yeah. That wow. fucked me up. And I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. I, I really didn't. It just, it marinated for so long. And, you know, I realized going into my senior year, you know, when I, when I went back in, I actually wrote my dad a letter. Mm -hmm basically saying fuck you you know yeah. you tell me that i'm ruining the family name but i'm going to show you that i'm more than what you think i am i realized my senior year how many people had doubted me you oh, know no, wow. nobody thought that it was possible nobody thought that i would be able to graduate mm -hmm. um, and i mean you know that that was just a small step in my life but 
it was a big step at the same time because that's that's when I really started to prove to myself that I was capable of more. And you know, cutting back to that that meeting with the principal, that cop that was in the room actually, like I said, he saved my ass there. And he he told the principal, he was like, you know what, let's cut a deal. He goes, he he needs to take eight straight classes, no matter what. There's eight credits right there. And then I needed to take. I think three credit recovery courses after school and then three summer school courses. I can't remember. Wow. That's quite a load. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it just to, just to prove these guys wrong. Just to prove them wrong. Um, And over time I started to realize like how many people had zero faith in me. Mm. You know, I I think that's really where the beginning of this mentality stand, stand strong came from was I felt like I never had a support system. So I learned to support myself. Um, and I remember, you know, after I started high school, started back up in my senior year, I wrote my dad this letter and I was like, you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, I'm more than what you think I am. I know, but I can't blame anybody for thinking that about me because I know I'm get back. Because that's the image that you put off. That's the, the, yep. And that was, uh, that was a hard pill for me to swallow, but I realized that if there was anything I wanted to do about it, like I was the only thing stopping myself, mm, you yeah. know? And, and so, so stands true with life after that, I'm sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that, that lesson, I, I'm still living by that to this day. Yeah. Um, so I get back in my senior year and you know, things were, things were really tough and I turned 18 during my senior year. Um, and you know, I was working my ass off, man. I, I wasn't hanging out with friends as much. I wasn't going out. I, I was, I would literally, that was the first time in my life that I would go home after school and sit down and crack down on my homework because I, I needed to prove to myself that I was more than what people thought I was, you know, but, and I think yeah. that was, and were, that's interesting right there because that's that like in, in your conversation there, that's initially you were saying that you wanted to prove everybody else wrong. But you just now, which I love this, you said you wanted to prove it to yourself. Well, you know, and, and that and, was like the underlying thing for you was that you wanted to sh- prove to yourself that you were better than what everybody else was telling you. you were. Exactly. Yeah. And I think a big problem for me was, you know, like I said, I, I was an angry kid because I didn't know how to deal with my emotions and everybody just knew me as the asshole. I was the asshole in the room. Mm. You know, I didn't want to be that guy. I never felt like I was that guy. Wow. But everybody thought that. I figured everybody can't be wrong. You know, maybe I'm just an <laughs> asshole. Maybe that's if just who I am. One guy calling me an asshole, fine. But if it's everybody, then I guess. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I just started to believe that about myself. And once I realized, you know, once once that fire lit under my ass, I, I was like, I'm more than this. I know that I'm more than this. But everybody else doesn't understand that. Mm-hmm. Everybody convinced me that I'm just an asshole and I can't blame them. You know, I was being an asshole. (laughs) Um, But I I needed to prove something to myself. I needed to see what I was really capable of. So I cracked down that year and, you know, I think school starts what in like September or whatever. Somewhere around there. And then, uh, it's been a while since I've been in, so I don't know. (laughs) Right. I, um, so in the middle of my senior year, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing good. My, that cop told, told the principal, he was like, listen, if this kid drops below a C, expel his ass. So I knew I had to stick to this. There you go. Like, yeah. It, you know, really I right there because he knew, he knew, like he could see it in you that right. you wanted like, to do, do better, you know. Um, if that cop didn't believe in me, I don't know where I'd be, honestly, because it, he cool. gave me a chance when nobody else would. He, he talked to the principal into letting me come back. <laughs> um, nice. And it was, it was definitely a challenge, but then, you know, so in February, in February of that year is when my dad had taken his own life. And that was, you know, a huge, huge setback for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I knew at that moment that I had a decision to make. I could either let that situation break me or I could let that situation make me stronger. He took his own life on a Sunday. I was in school the next day, that Monday. And I, I will never forget it, man. It was like a movie. I, yeah. I, I don't know how everybody found out so fast. I think my little sister may have posted something on Facebook. I, I really don't remember. I didn't say anything about it. Yeah. 
I, I walked into school the next day, man, and it was like a movie. Everybody, I was walking down the hall and everybody would just stop and look at me like, what the hell is this kid doing here? Right. And I will never forget it. My, uh, my, my first period teacher, I, I'm still friends with her to this day. I, I walked into class and she saw me coming down the hall and I walked into class. She grabbed me by the back of my shirt and pulled me out. She said, what the fuck are you doing here? I said, I'm here because all of you guys thought I wouldn't be. That's a good teacher right there. She, she was. I, I'm still, that, that woman was an angel. I had some good teachers my senior year that really helped me out. Um, but when and I told her that. That just, that's awesome to hear that. I love, I love hearing that there are teachers out there who care that much. Yes. About one, one kid, you know. And if you know, I was a troubled kid. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like they had no reason to give a shit about me, but they knew I just went through some heavy shit. And I think probably a little bit of underlying concern was there that I was going to snap in the middle of class or something. <laughs> um, and I don't blame them for that, but you know, that was the day. So I'm going to backtrack to the, the day that, you know, I found my dad actually, you know, let's go a little bit back further. Okay. Hold on one quick second. I got to tell everybody listening. So, um, <laughs> this is the first episode that I've done with somebody who also has ADD. Um, <laughs> and um, this is what it's, this is what it sounds like when two people with ADD talk. Okay. Um, yeah, we are all over the place. We go from when we were four years old to when we were 25 years old to when we were 13 and we keep up. So I hope you guys are keeping up too. If you're not learn how. Okay. <laughs> um but anyway so out there <laughs> what's that shout out to the add people out there <laughs> uh so as you were saying yeah so my senior year january 17th i went to my dad's house now my mom and dad had split up that november prior to this um and they actually split up my mom left my dad because he was so rough with me you know my my dad uh we fought a lot Mm. Um, physically and you know screaming matches whatever I mean oh, wow. it, it, got, it got pretty bad for a while and you know a lot of people would say you know that the situation that I grew up in was abusive I call it borderline abusive mm. because I know he was way too rough on me but I know at the end of the day that he was doing it because he cared he wanted to see me do better and he thought in his head that he was instilling discipline in me. Mm, yeah. But for me, you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy that you just tell me what to do. You yeah. know, you talk to me like a human and I will, you know, logically make a decision there. Right. But, you know, dad was just one of those, do what the fuck I tell you. And if you don't, I'm going to beat your ass. You know, I think that's often the case with parents in general is like, you know, they're, they're doing the best they can, you know, and they're, yeah. they're doing the best they can with what they think is right. You know, and I, it's not until we get older that we recognize that, that we realize that they probably didn't have the tools to do it any differently either. Exactly. And, you know, that's, that's something that I've learned a lot as I've gotten older is that, you know, my dad had his problems too. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know that. And that's why I think one of the smartest things I did was made peace with the situation. Mm, yeah. yeah. Because I, I could, I could be mad for the rest of my life. I could hate him for the rest of my life for doing what he did to my family, but I made peace with it. I understand that he had some serious problems and he hit his breaking point. Mm -hmm. But you know, when my mom, my mom left in November that year and you know, I, I kept up with my dad a bit. That was, that was when we started to get close again, actually was when, um, you know, when I wrote that letter to him and he saw that I was committed to bettering myself, that's when he started to take it easy on me. He was like, you know, I remember actually trying, I, I started shit with him one day and he just sat there. He, he, just, he just gave up on it. He was like, I'm not going to. Okay. okay. So yeah, I, I ended up going over there on January 17, 2011. Um, my birthday is January 22nd. So this was, you know, right before my birthday, me and two of my buddies went over there just to check in on him, see how he was doing. You know, this was his first time being on his own. Um, and that was the first time that I, I felt like something was a little bit off. Now, 
and this is why I'm so pressed on helping people that are suffering in silence because he never gave anybody any indication that he was going to do what he did, but I know that he was planning it for a while. Wow. Um, so I went there January 17th and we walked into the house. I don't remember what he was doing, but he was like, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll be with you guys in a second. Just sit down, make yourself comfortable, make yourselves comfortable. And I hopped on his computer to, to check my MySpace at the time, actually. You remember when that was? Like, MySpace? Oh, man. Yeah. How old are you? 27. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I go over there to hop on MySpace, and I pull up his, his, you know, internet. And he was looking at 9-millimeter Berettas on GanderMountain.com. And mm. I'll never forget it because wow. that was the day that I was like, something's off. Yeah. I was always a gun nut. I, I, to this day, I love guns. Mm -hmm. um, my dad did not like guns. My dad actually hated the fact that I had guns. I grew up hunting with my uncles and stuff. You know, oh, I had, okay. cool. guns, you know, a bow and everything. Yep. Um, and I, I thought it was really weird that he was looking at, at guns. And at first, my first thought was, oh, he's getting me a gun for my birthday. You know, I, he knows I love guns. And mm -hmm. then I thought about it logically. And I was like, is my dad stupid enough to get my punk ass a gun at 18 years old? I don't think so. Mm. So that was when I started to kind of rethink what was going on. And I, I actually, I talked to my two buddies that I was with that night. You know, I just kind of brushed it off that night. And on the way home, I was like, you know, my dad's looking at guns. This is, this is yeah, really. Something seems off. Yeah. And they're like, man, he's, he's living on his own. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's fine. He just wants some home defense or something. And I actually went back to my mom's house that day. And mm -hmm. I told her, I said, something's off. I said, dad is shopping for guns right now. I was always paranoid. I've been paranoid my whole life, like more than the average person. You know, I, I know that I got a couple of screws loose, but you know, I was, I was really concerned about this and everybody's like, Jimmy, you're just paranoid. You, you know, you've always been, dad wouldn't yeah. do that. Don't worry about it. And, uh, my mom actually told me, she said, I'm sure he's just getting something for home defense because my mom had a gun. She's like, you know, I took mine with me when I left. I'm sure he's just getting something for home defense. I said, mom, I have a loaded 12 gauge underneath the bed in my room at his house. If he wants home defense, there it is. Yeah. So everybody just kind of, you know, brushed it off. Nobody, nobody thought anything of it. Oh, man. And I didn't know what to think of it because I, I wouldn't expect my dad to do something like that. Mm -hmm. So that was on January 17th, 2011. And then February 13th, 2011, I went to his house on a Sunday morning to see how he was doing. Actually, my mom and my sister were there too. I was supposed to be meeting up with my sister um, to take her to go get her first tattoo. We were going to go get tattoos together. And uh, I called my sister that morning and she said, hey, meet me at dad's house. We have to go, we have to go let the dog in. The dog got, the dog got out and no one's answering the door. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's really strange, but let's go, let's go see what's up. And actually, so when my parents split up, you know, my, my sister kind of took my mom's side. So they weren't really on good terms with my dad at the time. I was the only one in the family with a key to his house. Or, okay. or the garage code. Um, so I got over there. It was, I think it was 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I, I opened up the garage door. We get the dog. One of the neighbors called and told my mom that the dog was out and he couldn't get anyone to the door. But my dad worked third shift. Um, mm. And he slept with ear, uh, earbuds in because he, he was the lightest sleeper on the planet. I swear yeah. to God. Yep. You parted in the house while he was sleeping, he would wake up. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it, it was, it was strange to me, but I didn't really know what to expect. And when we went over there, um, I, I walked into the garage and I, I came around the corner and I, I saw him sitting on the couch. I didn't realize what had happened at first because it, it was kind of just tunnel vision. I noticed yeah. that he was really pale and I knew, at that moment that, I knew at that moment that he was gone. I didn't yeah. know what happened, but I knew that he was gone. And my sister was actually in the house with me. She's the one who noticed him. She actually called me over. She said, Jimmy, come look at this. She thought he was sleeping. Oh. I walked around the corner. I said, go get mom. She runs out the door. I walked up in front of him and I saw the, the, 
and this is what fucks me up the most, the exact same nine millimeter Beretta that he was looking at on that website that day, that was the mm. gun that was laying in between his feet. Fuck, dude. And there was one shell case on the floor. Mm. And my, my dad had, you know, a, he, he had a black beard, you know, he had a big black goatee and mm-hmm. he was wearing a black shirt. I didn't even notice the blood at first. Yeah. Uh, so I looked, I was like, what the fuck? And then I, you know, I just kind of stepped forward and kicked the gun and I was like, holy shit. And that was something changed in my head that day. And I mean, obviously it's a traumatic fucking situation. You know, you're never going to be normal after that again. Right. But I, I remember sitting, I, I sat on the floor right in front of him, just looking at him. And I remember thinking, how could you fucking do this to me? How could you do this to mm. us? You left me alone with a mom and a sister that I already had trouble dealing with. And now I have to be the man of the house. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really mad at first. And Making me cry over here, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, I'm, it, it's a, it's a, difficult story for me to tell but i i feel that it's important for me to tell this story yeah because i don't feel like people understand the impact of what happens to family members yeah uh, or, or friends or co-workers i mean everyone and i don't know how i remain so calm in this situation but i started looking for looking around me i started noticing everything around me i I picked up the gun. I unloaded it because that was my first concern is that my mom or my sister was going to come in and just snap when they saw what happened. So I picked up the gun. I unloaded it. I set the magazine on the other side of the table. And I I remember sitting on the floor just staring at him and thinking to myself, I said, this is either going to break me or this is going to be what gives me purpose. Mm. And I said, I'm not going to let this fucking hold me back. This is wow. not going to be what stops me. I've worked my ass off to get to where I am right now. Yep. And I'm going. Damn. I, I'm not going to let this stop. <laughs> That's... And I that I... my mom and my sister came running in. And actually, my, my best friend, shout out to Tyler. Um, he was in the car with me. He came over with me that morning. I was actually living with Tyler when all this happened. Because I was pissed that my parents split up in the first place. Yeah. So I, I left. I went and stayed with Tyler. He was in the car with me. I, I remember I walked out to the front door. I said, Tyler, get in here. Bring my fucking cigarettes, man. <laughs> and that poor fucking kid, man. I know he's just as traumatized as I am because he did not. That was not his battle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a good friend, though, man. Yeah. My, my best friend, man. I, I love him. I, I, I talked to him right before I came on the show. <laughs> um, you know, this was... Uh, it was a traumatic fucking experience. And I remember I tried to, my mom and my sister came running in and they, they lost it. I, I tried to grab my mom and Tyler tried to grab my sister and they, they just ran through us. And it was uh it, it was a fucking nightmare come to reality. Yeah. You know, I remember after they came in and, you know, the, we called the cops, you know, everybody came over. I, I was looking around the house. I was trying to find something that would give me some kind of, clue as to what the fuck happened you know i had no idea this was coming aside from like a little bit of strange feeling that i had and uh i found a a a stack of paper and a pen and i was like where the fuck are the notes he did not do this without leaving notes i know there's got to be notes around here so i tore that fucking house apart man yeah something and there was a lot of weird things that added up now you you see if you looked at my website there's a section on there that says the story behind 213 Mm. And I haven't put anything on there yet. I've been working on this. It's, it's, it's hard. Yeah, no doubt. There was my, so it was February 13th when I found my dad. That was the original 213. Yeah. I, I don't know how I noticed so much about that day, but I did. His TV was on when I found him. Mm. His TV was on channel 213. Wow. Afterwards, I found, now my dad was a religious guy. I'm not religious myself. My dad was very religious. He did not believe in this shit. And I'm going to get to this fuck pharmaceuticals thing, and I'll explain that here in a little bit. Something was off, okay? I didn't know what. Yeah. I found his Bible that he kept in his lunchbox that he took to work with him every day, and it was bookmarked on page 213. Mm. 
I looked at his calendar that he kept. He had a little like, you know, notepad calendar that he kept in his lunchbox to keep track of his hours. Yeah. It ended on 213. I was like, what the fuck is this with 213? What the wow. hell is I, I couldn't figure it out. I still uh-huh. to this day have no idea what the fuck it is. I don't know if there's some kind of fucking message that he tried to leave behind. I don't know. I actually gave up looking because I drove myself insane for years. Um, wow. So it was rough. This happened in the middle of my senior year while I was trying to, you know, recover from years of fuckery that I already created. Uh, right. And I remember when I found him, I sat on the floor in front of him. I was just staring at him because I, I don't, it felt like it was hours that I sat on the floor in front of him, just thinking about him before my mom and my sister came in. I'm sure yeah. it was like 30 seconds, but I was in this weird state of mind. Right. And it, I, I couldn't, I, I told myself, you know, this is not going to stop me. I need to keep pushing. He told me, like I said, that I was ruining the family name. That moment, that moment that I sat on the floor with him, I told, in my head, I told him that I was going to be the one to make that name live forever. Mm. I was going to be the one to change the family name, to do something good with it. Damn, yeah. You know, ever since then, you know, I, I've done whatever I could to help anybody who I thought was suffering, you know, after, after losing someone like that, especially because I had a weird feeling about it. It's mm-hmm. like, I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know what though. Yeah. So that was weird, man. When someone gives me a weird vibe, I can, I can pick up on that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, even if you don't tell me that you're thinking about it, I can feel it. Yep. You got I that will, discernment. I can, I will go out of my way to make sure, you know, I, I knew after that happened, that there was nothing I could do to get my father back. Yeah. But there was a lot that I could do to make sure that some other kid did not lose his dad the same way. Wow. And that's Dude. what I set my goal on. Holy shit. That's I, awesome. I, man, I have to tell you, um, I, I have, I have no words other than I'm proud of you. <laughs> thanks, man. Um, and I know that we've only just met but like that making taking that mindset from a situation like that and moving forward in such a positive way is something that you should be so fucking proud of man um and uh i admire you very much so it's something that i realized very quickly that there was nothing that i could do about the situation yeah and that the only thing I could do to make sure that he didn't die in vain was to do whatever I could to save some other little punk ass 18 year old from going through what I went through. Yep. And I knew at that moment that I had to step up. I had to be the man of the family now. Awesome. And that was, that was tough for me because I had so many family issues already. Yeah. And it it actually, it kind of had, you know, somewhat of a negative effect because anytime I, you know, tried to, give my sister any kind of guidance or tried to help my mom get her head on straight. It was always, you're not dad. You're not dad. Yeah. Stop trying to be dad. Oh man. And that, that was hurt, man. Cause I was just trying to do what I thought was right. I was trying to look out for the people that I loved. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, a couple of years of that, I was 18 with the, when this happened. And when I was 20 years old is when I joined the military. Cause I just had to get the fuck away, man. There was a lot of bad memories around here. Yeah. A lot of, you know, it, it's weird. So I want to get into how this affects family because, and I'm going to say this, I, since I've started Stand Strong, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. Yeah. I've had a lot of people who were on the edge reach out to me and I never say anything about it. I never, I never talk about the people that I've helped because I don't do this shit for attention. Right. I do because I don't want some fucking kid to find his dad dead. Right. I, do because I don't want some some other man to feel the way that my, my dad felt. Yeah. You know, and even before my dad had died, I, I had thoughts and I wouldn't say attempts of suicide, but I've, uh, I put a gun to my head before my dad even died. So I, like, even before this happened, I was already fucked up, you know, from 
just the emotional issues that I had growing up, I never knew how to deal with. And, you know, I had a rough home life. We, we were, yeah. I, we didn't have any money growing up. I remember when, when I was in a middle school, actually, uh, actually elementary school, my dad lost his job. And I think, you know, like I said, there was a lot of contributing factors that I think led my dad up to this point. He had a good job when we were kids, when we were little. Yeah. The place that he worked for went out of business and, you know, he was, we were broke. We, I remember, I think in fucking fifth or sixth grade, we had a, like a little minivan, a family van and it yeah. got repossessed. I, we woke up one morning to go to school and my backpack was in there. All, all of our shit was gone. My mom had to call the school and tell them, Hey, they don't have their stuff. They can't go to school. We don't have a way to get to school. Yeah. And, uh, this was, you know, a couple of years after my parents had just bought a house and that was when shit got rough. My dad actually bought a $25 RX seven from some, some teenage girl. I, I don't even know where the fuck he got it. It didn't run. Didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Me and my sister went to the same elementary school. So I used to roll up to elementary school in the trunk of an RX seven. I had to hop out of the trunk every morning to go to school. Wow. And, you know, I know that that fucked my dad up. Like, you know, right. he had a job and he lost it. And he, he a, lot didn't of, know. a lot of pride, pride stuff attached to that. Right. He let his family down. Yeah. You know, he, he was, we struggled all the way up until, shit, my freshman year of high school when he got a job. He was a maintenance guy at a factory, but that guy worked his ass off. He was averaging, when he died, he was averaging 90 hours a week at work. Wow. That's that guy that's, ran himself into the ground. Thanks, man. That's the thing, man. As pissed off as I am at him for doing what he did, I got a lot of respect for him. Yeah. I worked his ass off to make sure we had a roof over our heads. That sounds you know, like man? a really difficult juxtaposition to, yeah. to, to handle, you know, like having both sides of the coin on that and being angry at somebody that you have that kind of respect for. Right. Um, yeah, man, I, I just can't even imagine. You know, at this point, I choose to look back at all these times, you know, as, as many problems as me and my dad had, I look back and I remember the lessons that he taught me. Mm. And one of the lessons that he taught me, I remember him telling me one time, he said, push for the things that you want in life. When something comes in your way, you fucking move it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's awesome. I live by that. You know, yep. when something comes in my way, I'm, I'm going to go over it, under it, around it. I'm going to go through it, whatever the fuck I got to do to get to where yeah. I want to be. And, and so... I don't mean to cut you off, um, but we are about out of time. Um, and so if you're okay with it, I'd like to do a second episode with you. Absolutely. I, um, shit, man, I have a lot more to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. I um, and, I, and I think this is really important stuff for people to hear. Um, I think that there's a lot of value in us doing another episode. Um, so all of these philosophies and lessons in your life you've brought now to your to what you're doing with Stand Strong. And I want to tell all these guys right now, if you're listening, go check out Stand Strong, support this mission. Um, this is something that's so important for so many of us. Uh, and uh, suicide rates are high. They continue getting higher. Um, and especially for men, um, suicide happens more for men than it does for women uh, on a global scale. Um, and so I want you guys to head over and support this cause, support Stand Strong, uh, support James and what he's doing. Um, tell everybody a little bit more, if you can, uh, about Stand Strong and where people can find you uh, and what options they have to help support it. Well... So I, I started Stand Strong this last November. Like I said, it started as a Facebook page in 2012. It's, I was going to make it a nonprofit, and I let it sit stagnant for years. I didn't know what direction I wanted to go with it. Um, and it wasn't up until November of 2019 that I, I came up with a plan. And the plan was, you know, what, what's kept me going throughout these years is, I mean, sheer willpower, honestly. But it was always, there was always a little sign that I picked up on somewhere in life. I'd drive by a billboard that said something that just meant something to me. I'd, I'd be thinking about, you know, doing something stupid and I'd see a sign or a bumper sticker or whatever. Yep. And it would just kind of give me some hope. Give you a reason to keep going. 
And then I, I had this epiphany one day, how much I read people's shirts. Like I'll see a shirt, somebody at Walmart will have a shirt on and I'll, I'll read it while I'm standing in line. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? What if I just fucking turn this message in, into a clothing brand? What if, what if I turn people into walking billboards of hope? You know, the names stand strong. It's, it's exactly what it, it, it's a simple phrase. Stand yeah. strong, no matter whatever, whatever the fuck you're going Very through. Relatable. Yeah. It's not about what you've been through. It's about how you handle it. That's, yep. that's my philosophy. So I got to tell you with that, my favorite one personally is the fuck suicide stand strong. Yeah. That's my favorite one. No, that, um, that was actually, I made that directly because I saw somebody's shirt one day. Uh-huh. Uh, actually I have a shirt that says assholes live forever and I got a ton every time I wear that thing in public everybody's like oh dude that shirt's awesome that shirt's awesome I'm like wow this really grabs people's attention yep and I was like you know what what if I grab somebody's attention for a good cause yeah you know, having a word having a shirt with the word fuck on it's gonna grab anybody's attention oh yeah absolutely yeah. It's like it your attention and I was thinking to myself I was like you know, what if I'm just walking down the street one day and I had a shirt that said fuck suicide and somebody who was driving by was thinking about suicide and then saw that shirt. Yeah. That might be a sign that they need to keep hanging on for a little while. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome. So where, where then, uh, just because we need to wrap up, um, where can people find those shirts? Like how can they, how can they go and support you? Like where do they need to go? Danstrong.co. I, uh, the Instagram handles the same standstrong.co. You can find us on Facebook at standstrong. I think it's standstrong two one three on Facebook. Okay. Um, cool. And you have links in your Instagram, right? So people can follow yeah, the link I, to your I, store. If you go to the website standstrong.co, you can find our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on there. Um, I'm going to be putting a blog up on the website soon. It's taken me a little longer to write than I, I thought it would. It's kind of hard for me to, if you didn't notice, I have a little bit of ADD, you know, I, I go all over the place. So yep. When it comes to writing, I have the same challenges ahead of me. No judgment here. I got you. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm piecing this together where I kind of tell a better, more organized version of my story and how gotcha. I've kept myself going these years. Okay. Well, hey, I've been I've been doing creative writing for a lot of years. So if you want some help putting things together, let me know. Yeah, I might actually take you up on that. <laughs> Thanks um, for having me, man. I'd love to come back for a second episode. I, I I know I still got a lot to say. I'm sorry for getting so sidetracked. Oh, but don't don't ever apologize uh, for telling your story. Um, that's, you know, that means more to me that you're willing to do it than anything else. Um, and I definitely appreciate you uh, doing this with me. So it's. It's hard for me to share my story, but I know that it's important because I want people to understand the severity of how, how anybody around you, anybody who's ever knew you, your mm -hmm. coworkers, your friends, your family, people you went to high school with, it'll, it'll, they don't recover from this stuff. Yeah. You know, it, you can make the best out of it, but you're, you're never going to forget. You're never going to completely get over it. And that's important to me. I, I, I want to do anything I can to help anybody. And, and I want to say to anybody who's listening, if you need to talk, my DMS are always open. I will talk to you directly on our Instagram page. I'll talk to you on Facebook, anything. And I will give you whatever advice I can. Absolutely. I go awesome. out of my way to make sure that you're in the right headspace. You got to keep a positive mind. That's the awesome. trick. Yeah, man. And first thing starts with just talking to somebody. So absolutely. Um, and if you guys aren't comfortable um, just talking to a stranger or whatever, make sure you're talking to a friend. Uh, we have also on the Into the Dark Blue page, we have a Get Help tab uh, where you can go and look up options for uh, therapists, su suicide prevention hotlines, things like that as well. So um, you guys talk to James, go to that Help tab and uh, get just get help, man. Talk to somebody. Don't, be, don't let your pride get in the way of talking to somebody. Um, <laughs> silence doesn't make you a man it makes you weak that, that's something that's taken me a long time to learn but now that i'm finally coming out about it i can i can tell you i feel a lot better yep good man i'm so glad to hear that um man well thank you so much and thank you so much for sharing your story and you guys be looking forward to episode two uh we'll be getting into things a little bit more um about uh stigmas and why uh and, and how we can help prevent uh, some of these issues. So thanks, James, and cheers, man.
I want to thank you for venturing into the dark blue with us today, where we're always striving to foster a community of peers which empowers mental wellness, positive growth, and social awareness. If you like what we're doing and would like to support our community, you can purchase a pint glass or t-shirt from Sheath Underwear via the link on our merch tab at www.intothedarkblue.com or message us to make a one-time donation. All proceeds go to men's mental wellness initiatives. If you ever need a listening ear, feel free to message us on the website or at into the underscore dark blue on Instagram. If you have an emergency or need help from a professional therapist, we offer several resources on our Get Help page. Last but not least, know your limits and drink smart. Cheers.